again if this is your first time listening to the move swiftly podcast welcome to the show glad to have you 1000 percent sure you'll be back for more to my regular listeners you already know what i'm about you know i always tell you about teammates and how much they really mean to me and how much i really haven't like my identity is through football and all those things and today i have someone that man i mean <laughs> we go way way back to the stony brook football days and he was he, he was one of those guys that, you know, you saw he played with so much passion, so much hard to tell you. Like, he was really into what he was doing. And one thing I actually really did respect about you, Jordan, is that, you know, you are from Texas, but you chose, like, you wanted to get out of Dallas and come to Long Island and, and just start something new. So with all that, man, how you doing, Jordan? Good, good, good to have you on. Absolutely, man. It's, it's awesome to hear from you, man. I've been seeing you do big things and everything and following your journey and everything. And, hey, you know, uh, reconnecting and just, you know, talking about where we are in life, everything. I think it's, you know, we can pass on some knowledge to these youngsters. I think it's great. So I'm glad to hear from you and I'm happy to be on. Like, yeah. And that's, I mean, you, you said you took kind of took the words out of my mouth. That's really where I want to start. You know, what, as now me <clears throat> personally, when I was at Stony Brook, I knew I wasn't going to the league. You know, I was a scout team player and that was my role. But you were, I believe, what, a four year starter, three year starter at Stony Brook? After my redshirt year, I yeah, I started almost every game. Yeah. Now, what was that transition like? Because I know the thought must have had to go in your mind, like you could be doing this for a check, like you could be getting paid to play. What was that transition like when you when you finally hung them up? What was that process like? That'd probably be the best way to start it off. That was a tough process. I'll make it very clear though. I mean, I was one of those players. I was very realistic with my abilities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought if I out, I could have been on a practice squad or played a little bit. But the reality, I knew what my real talent was, and that was my knowledge of the game and being able to coach and pass it on and really help the other receivers and all those things. So I was good at football. I was very good. Obviously, you know, I was, you know, I was all, all state in Texas, and then I was a four-year starter at a D1, so I was pretty good at football. But my mentality was always I loved the game and just I, I it, it's a passion for me. You know, I when I what I do when I'm done right now, like obviously I work in sports, but when I'm done, I just my pat like my hobbies are watching, you know. So it's mm -hmm. now just always been fun. And I always knew my real talent was always gonna be articulating what it takes to be great and athletes that may be more genetically gifted than me um, be great. You know, and that's what I'm doing right now. So um, it, it, it's it's been the transition, I think, is is, uh, you know, refreshing. 
it's tough, man. I mean, I think because we're all used to pack mentality if you grow up in football. Like my father was a coach, is a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously. So, uh, you know, my whole life I've been a part of a football team. Every right. right after coaching, I mean, I got into coaching. So I was, I mean, I have every single year of my life, August, you know, it comes around August, it's ready for football act mentality, you know, and really year and a half has been the first year I've been, you know, starting my own business and training athletes instead of being in the actual coaching side of things. And well, I'm still a coach, but I'm not an actual team. Uh, It's been tough, you know, but I mean, really after, I mean, when you're the coaching, because I coach junior college and I coach high school. I was still part of that pack mentality. So right. I still had pottery and I was still office every day and I still had all the kids around me. So, mm-hmm. really, you know, I started my own business now, you know, and you have to find a w- new way to get that, uh, camaraderie, which is probably the hardest thing for players, you know, and, you know, I read a great book. It was called tribal Sebastian younger. Uh, and he, what he did is he, he went with military dudes, the Congo Valley, probably like the worst part of Afghanistan during the war. And it was, it was a wild book because he went out there and obviously they're going through wild stuff, right? right. They're middle of war in the worst, you know, the treacherous terrain it's where they're in the mountains and everything. But, you know, and, but what he found was they just got so close, man. And every single person, when they went home afterwards, they all kind of longed for that camaraderie. You know, which it's I felt the connection to it because it's like you go through the trenches, which we could say that, which was going through tough times at Stony Brook trenches is because that's discrediting how hard it is to be in the military. But uh, going through hard stuff with your and going through those Wednesday workouts we used to do at 5 a.m., doing all that stuff and, you know, and then going to parties together, playing in games together, doing everything together. And then now all of a sudden you're in the real world it's a wake up call. It's hard to find that kind of, you know, that, that connection, you know, that, that, that longing that you have. So that's tough, you know, and I try to articulate that to all my athletes that I work with now, you know, it's, it's, you got to have, you know, other passions, you got to find a way to, you know, make yourself relevant in other ways, but, you know, you have to keep finding groups of people to be around because, you know, we're, we're, you know, monkeys, you know, we, we like to be in packs. It's just going to be the reality. So if you want to, you know, you're going to have some depression and some other issues if you're always singled out and by yourself. So um, I still try to find a way to always be around a lot of people, but I also isolate myself too. And I'm okay with being alone, but it's been a tough transition. But like I said, I mean, it's, you just have to, you know, have to be aware of these things. You know, luckily that, you know, I was, I've seen this stuff since I was little. So I understood how it, that a lot of people do struggle when they transition. So that's my biggest deal now is what help kids get ready and be prepared and not have to go, you know, the issues that, you know, a lot of us had to deal with because now, I mean, out there, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. You, you know, Taj, obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. he does. Um, and there's a lot of people out here that are giving that message. And I think that is important and you have to be ahead of it though. You have to, you have to start, you know, telling that to kids when they're young. So they're prepared and, you know, they understand what's going to happen to them. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, for me, you know, is just going through it and then being able to pass it down. Right. And the, the thing that I and I, I have a very similar <clears throat> had a very similar transition. I mean, obviously, I wasn't a, a starter and I wasn't, you know, I'd already known I wasn't going to make it to the league. But the difficult part is 
getting started, I think. You know, when, when I first got into coaching, I was scouting for a company named National Scouting Report. And, I mean, very few people who were my age took that job. It was mostly for retired coaches that, you know, they go in and they try to run with this third party and stuff like that. So the biggest challenge for me was just figuring out if I belong and figuring out my way because I was such a young coach, excuse me, young coach slash scout. When do you think, you know, when do you think you were able to establish yourself? In fact, I, I think I saw a post the other day about how Tucci, you remember Tucci? Absolutely, yeah. I yeah, talking. I remember I, I saw a post about how he's like finally establishing himself as the Texas A&M linebackers coach. And I think Fan is doing the same thing. When did you start to feel like you actually belong? Like instead of, you know, just feeling like, all right, this is football. You know, most people make that transition as a player. Now I'm a coach. This is just what we do. When did you start to feel like you actually found yourself and found your purpose? Right. I think finding yourself and knowing that, you know, knowing your, your right, is I put in the work. <laughs> no, I mean, I know that for being a 33-year-old male, there's it's going to be hard to find a human who's watched more sports, that's been around more sports, that's been around more scenario mm. than, you know, me. I mean, I, I, I do have that same cocky mentality from athletics. I mean, I think I care the coaching. I don't think that, you know, and I, and I have natural talent for, for just the watching the game and being able to have conversations and talking it through. And I feel like I'm able to connect with a lot of people that are at a high level. So I feel like I've, but I, I've been realistic too. I mean, I, I, you, you can't replace experience. So now it's just been me getting in a bunch of scenarios and constantly stressing myself and constantly putting myself in a spot where I, you know, have to feel uncomfortable. So, oh uh, yes. Uh, well, I hate, I hate to cut you off on that one, but the, and I, 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 I just posted an episode about this, but the uncomfort, all right, teammates, I got, I got to, I got to cut them off with because too many of you guys right now are chasing comfort. You're chasing comfort, but the uncomfort is where the success lies. You got to get uncomfortable. You got to find yourself in situations where you have to grow. Too often, I'll be chasing comfort. And that's kind of what I meant, why I mentioned what I mentioned at the intro is that, you know, it would have been easy for you to go at a school in Texas. You know, it would have been easy for you. Even I mean, even a lot of people look at it and say, oh, he plays for his dad or whatever, but they don't understand that that just doing that in itself makes you uncomfortable as it is so the the uncomfort i think is important to be emphasized and that that's why i want to re-emphasize your point i didn't mean to cut you off on that jordan but i, I want to make sure you guys catch that and how how much it benefits you in the long haul but go ahead i mean uh that, that by the way that happens on the show all the time when some people start really talking my language i get excited no and i think anybody that is in this industry and really knows anything about I mean, it's, that's what it's about. You know, you know, you, you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I mean, there's, it's never going to go as planned. You're going to have it. You're going to have, you know, a coach you don't like, you're going to have teammate you don't like, you're going to have team you don't like, and that you're going to out or you're going to have bad body language. You can have all these issues or you're going to just get through it, you know, and that definitely like, you know, and I, I was, you know, when I came to Stony Brook from Texas, you know, that's, across the country on the in the dorm rooms of Don Reyes, you know, obviously who's at a high level right now. And we were both, he came from California, you know, so he came all the way across the country. We both were. And at first we were pouty, you know, we were very like, we hated it. You know, the first two or three weeks, you, you know, how hard, uh, 
August camp was at Stony Brook. (laughs) So this, this was 2009. And just to give you guys some perspective, I had just transferred from a division two school and I sat out because my, my had torn my ACL. So I worked in the gym for that year. So this was my first camp since then. So it was two years to be, like two years of not playing football. And I remember Dom coming to me after practice when he's like, yo, I never see you out of your dorm. I'm like, bro, I I, I don't know if I'm going to make it these two weeks. I was so sore during that time. And you just are like, I'm not remembering. You were actually in that dorm too. I believe it was like West Quad or something like that. But yeah, dog, I was done that camp. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, this is, this is the schedule just for perspective. I mean, we woke right. up. 545 or whatever and then you know this was on a two-a-day day and we had a practice or we had meetings first right we yeah. ate whatever we had to eat and then we had a meeting and jeff Behrman at the time was the coordinator who's killing it right best coaches in the country is it he though uh it's a uh, union right absolutely at union college who've been done a really good job and he's probably he is probably one of the most detailed coaches i've been around ever you know, and I think he's NFL level detail, you know, I mean, your splits have to be exact. You have to, so mentally you're, you're and I, I was a coach's son, so I knew this stuff, you know, but you know, and he'd put you in these, like in the meetings, we'd go out and we'd do meetings that we'd do a walkthrough. And then he would be like, okay, freshman, get in front. You have to, you know, he'd go over the formations and then every formation for every play, you'd have a different split. So most, most offenses for receivers, they're just, you know, you're kind of just lining up be honest with you in this offense you had to really you know if it was whatever play you had to know you were minus three from the hash or plus three from the hash and all these so mentally you're already nervous and going through it then you have a long practice then you get to eat or whatever then you might lift then you have another practice and then at the night I remember we had a Van Dyke would just teach us how to lift and it wasn't heavy weights or whatever, but it was till nine o'clock. And he was just showing you like, this is how to properly squat. This is how to properly hang clean. This is how to properly do every single drill. And he would rep it till he saw how he loved it, you know? And by the you know, second or third day, I went from running like a four, five, four, six to like a four, nine, you know? Uh, and I was just, you know, and I felt so unconfident. And I remember the first, during that time, they were having issues with their turf. So they had to use uh we had to use new balance turf shoes to run routes. <laughs> and- you're bringing it back now, boy, man, you're bringing that back, boy, because my feet used to be burning. So my confidence was at an all time low. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking about, I couldn't, I could barely walk with my soreness. I could barely cut with the cleats and the way that we you know, cause we didn't even have cleats and you know, everybody's like, man, he's not very good. So I knew I was destined for a red shirt. So really, I mean, I didn't catch up till my, uh, that spring, that spring, uh, the, after my red shirt year, you know, because I was just, it, you know, you just have to get your mind right and be ready for it. And like I said, I learned from those mistakes and I try to echo that to other people, but I was not prepared. I was not where I needed to be. And, you know, that's, that's a life lesson, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, you can't go back and because, and I try to talk to 16 year olds, 17 year olds, and it's hard that they'll hear a little bit, but you only can give them what you can, you know, and I was, you know, I knew better, but it didn't mean that I didn't like to do other things and hang out and have fun and, you know, get after it. Um, but it was, it was a tough, tough scenario, you know, but it was totally something that built character for the future. And now it's easy for me to use those uh, examples for all the people that I work with now. So it's been beneficial and, 
you know, like I said, at that moment though, we're talking like the fifth, sixth, seventh day of camp. I wanted to quit. I wanted to go home. I wanted to, uh, you know, I was, my confidence, like I said, was done, but luckily I called my dad and I say, Hey, you know, cause he, at that time, like when I first was at Stony Brook, he wasn't the coach there, you know, he was coaching at SMU and, uh, I call him and he said, I say, dad, I'm, I want to come home. Click. There was no, I, I, you know, he didn't want to hear what I had to say. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and that, that, that is, that is another thing really, because again, I have a lot of dads that listen to the show and a lot of dads who, who think that they want their son, like who have sons who think they want to play at the next level. And one of the things that he just, I have the similar type of a father, but you can't quit. You know, you cannot let them quit. You cannot let them quit. Yes, that, yeah, I mean, I remember Coach P used to say this all the time when the, the freshmen used to, the parents used to leave. We're going to cut the umbilical cord because right now they are ours. And if you let them come home after that freshman, and that's why, I mean, I don't know your thoughts on this now, but the way the game is played now where you can enter the transfer portal and, I mean, there, there was, it, it's so hard to, to watch and to see these kids just give up when they made a commitment somewhere. And all of a sudden they can enter a transfer portal and then go start somewhere. That, that was actually the part that gets really frustrating for me. So I actually, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. I didn't even plan on bringing that up, but you, you just made me think of that. I mean, it's a, it's a huge topic. And it's hard to, you know, because at the end of the day, you want freedom for the athletes, right? So that's, yeah. that's key, you know, but like, I've never, I don't know if I've been around any athlete their first, you know, couple months, especially if you're coming from, you know, from far away or, or whatever, and you're going to a new era and then a new place and they're trying to, you know, trying to build character from you and try to be on your ass a little bit. You're going to want to quit. I mean, I just, I, I, I've never, I, I, almost every single person at Stony Brook for, for that, I knew they wanted to leave. And I try, and that's why as I got older, I mean, I was, I would talk to the friend, be like, Hey, you know, it gets better. I mean, don't judge everything by your first, you know, couple of weeks, you know, and unfortunately now with the transfer portal, you know, you can get into a situation where, you know, you know, you already want to leave and you're going to leave. And um, while it's, it's good and, po- and, you know, there's positives and there's negatives to it. Like I said, cause I mean, now, I mean, you can ball out at Stony Brook your first year and then you can go to Michigan the next year with no consequence. And it's, it's, you know, that, that could be the best thing for you and your family. I'm not going to say it's a, the worst thing in the world, but it, it, it creates this whole horrible way of, you know, building teams as far as coaches. It's hard for them to build chemistry because, you know, you get on their ass a little bit, want to leave. And then, you know, you, you're already looking to the portal because you're trying to save your job. and It's hard to coach, you know, so it, it's ruined a lot of things, but I don't think it's going to stay this way. I think we're in the middle of a big, change in college athletics as far as as that goes with the transfer portal and the nli and all that i think the world's it's going to be totally different here in a few years we're just it, right now though i mean it's it's been a positive thing a lot of kids could have made money i think you should be able to make money off your name and likeness like you should be able to ball out of the school and make money and then if you want to leave you should be able to leave but at the same time you should have to it, it shouldn't be on the front end it shouldn't be like in recruiting necessarily, which is where it gets crazy. Because if you're giving kids that are 16, 17, you're already guaranteeing them a bunch of money and all this type of deal. It's a culture that's very tough to deal with. So, I mean, I could go on for days on this subject. It's very, um, 
you know, it's, it's like a, putting gasoline on a fire. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the thing is I, so the scenario you laid out, I kind of like, you know, if let's say if, let's say if it's an Eddie Gowans, right. And he goes and transfers to Rutgers because he's a Rutgers level player that I can see where I, I don't like it is where a starting quarterback from Alabama, you're projected to be the starter. All of a sudden a Jalen hurts beats you out and you get to go transfer to a Stony Brook and immediately you get that uh, starting spot because of where you transferred from. So now it does more harm than good. You're kind of rewarding the guy. That's, that's <laughs> you laid out was already what it was. That mm-hmm. was down, you know, right. It, to be able to transfer down. And there's no consequence. That's where we got a lot of, Go uh, with Fiella, you know, he was a player at Maryland and transferred down and he started instantly. So those, you know, that scenario maybe is not horrible, but the whole, where, where it becomes crazy is just when, you know, a kid ruins his opportunity, ruins his whole career and he gets portal and then he goes to a place and then he's not even guaranteed to play at the other place. And then he never plays and on top of that. What this is killing the biggest issue that I have is it kills high school recruiting. You know, mm-hmm. I talk, fortunately, you know, he's recruiting high school and he's building these relationships with these high school coaches. But at the end of the day, you know, he's looking for the transfer portal. I mean, what's the best way to save his job and to get better? It's going to be able to get recruits from A&M and all these places, frontal kids. And even though that they're probably, they, these kids that want to leave an A&M or whatever, usually have some issues because why are they leaving in the first place? And some of them don't, but sometimes they do have issues. And then you're going to have to, you know, but you're going to still take that kid. You're going to take the four four or five star kid that wants to transfer. And then you're going to have to build the chemistry on the, on the back end of it. It's very tough. So. And not only that, but we're at least from where I grew up, I'm I'm in South Florida now. So the, the recruiting out here is it's a, it's a mess, but we're back when I was in Maryland, you know, there's certain schools that have a reputation so you had kids transferring high schools literally every single year. Like the 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 Blake Horm kid, he was started at Pilates and then he went to St. Francis because he followed his coach and all those things. And I, I me personally, I remember high school being an opportunity to play in front of your family, to to just enjoy being a high school kid because that's what you are. You are a kid. And the recruiting stuff, I mean, I hope you're right when you say that it's we're at a we're in a process of it getting better but the kind of strain that these families go through when the kids are in high school it's insane and i'm sure you like i'm sure you've lived through it and experienced it and you see the the pressure that these high school parents kind of put on themselves just to make it so that their kid might get recruited no question i mean like i said I, I, I don't, I'm not, when I was saying that, I mean, it's, it's certainly not necessarily a positive thing. Totally. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of unanswered situations that are going on right now. Nobody, I mean, there's in this, just a lot of under the table shit. There's a it, highly illegal stuff going on constantly. And the players are, I mean, the kids are. So, you know, you get a guy that, you know, you, they're getting, re, they're getting like DMS and different like scenarios from these random car dealers or whoever alumni you know uh slush funds calling them and giving you know telling them all this and these young kids they barely know much about finance and i mean you're talking about serious things you you sign these deals and there's there's stipulations in them you know that you have to potentially stay at that school and all this and these kids understand what's going on are they hiring in 
got to have a lawyer or has sort of financial background to help you. You know, that's, that's my worry. And I think that it's, but like I said, it's, it's, it's positive and negative and I don't, I don't necessarily love it because I think that what it does is it rewards the cream of the crop and not thinking the totality of every single athlete, like an athlete that's an FCS player or non-power five player or whatever. These are the kids that are suffering, but the kids that are benefiting are the kids that are at the very top. It's a capitalist scenario. It's literally exactly like, you know, America, you know, the people that, you know, have these certain high qualities or know how to game the system are the ones rewarded. Meanwhile, you know, it's not as, you know, social, you know, it's not as socialist basically as what it used to be, which, you know, there's negatives of that too, but you know, not everybody's going to win, you know, and usually at the back of the day, it was everybody's getting a scholarship and, you know, and I, I mean, I could go into how much money you would make getting a full scholarship because I think that that's underplayed because you go to Alabama university, get a full ride scholarship. People are like, Oh, the education's not very much money. Okay. So on the free market, how much does it cost to have the best strength coach, you know, and you have like eight of them. So like, that's what I do. You know, I train athletes, I make them more athletic or whatever. You got to pay me. That's a lot of money. Then you have uh, the best trainers like Mary, these uh, athletic trainers that are helping your body prepared uh, to the highest level. Then you have to have the best equipment. You have all these things that adds up to each player at Alabama university without the NLI, they have to be worth and bringing in to their net worth, what they're actually getting. I would say at least almost a million dollars to $500,000 before they start getting cash on the side, you know, because they're getting all these things, but people don't factor that in. Like be having the best strength coach in the country. That's pretty big deal. I mean, that that's on the free market. That's tough to, you have to pay Tom Brady has to pay his trainer a lot of money, you know, uh, these things matter and they're factored in. But like I said, I mean, I'm not going to argue against it too much because I think you do want to have, you know, players to have freedom. And, you know, for a long time, you know, I guess there was some players getting taken advantage of, but like I said, it was only the cream of the crop players. Like how many players were really bringing in way more than scholarship, maybe like a hundred a year. Well, uh, the thing is, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because you, you actually coached, you coached at the collegiate level. And if I'm not, you coached at IMG Academy, correct? Right. Right. So when you when you were there and then you made the decision, what made you decide to now get into being a physical and actual trainer to where you can, you know, service the athletes and just help with these issues? Because, I mean, the the points you're making are very, very valid and they're very, very important. However, a parent doesn't know this kind of shit. You know, they know, look, my son is a baller and he keeps getting these calls and he's, there's some money, there's some scholarship available. So they trust in that system so much that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to get this thing communicated down the pipeline. So they really understand what they're getting into. So what, what made you transition from coaching to being an actual trainer? It, it's actually, what's, what's the name of the gym again? Uh, Fit Crew, but I have my own LLC, you know, Thing, but oh, so I, yeah, so you're, you're on, yeah, you're on your own ball. Great gym, you know, I have a great, the owner of the gym's a great, great guy that I've learned a lot from, and then we have other, you know, sports-specific trainers there, but we're contracted workers, we do our own thing, and I find people I work with, and, you know, so I have a, uh, I'm building my own business, so uh, the biggest thing why I got out of coaching 
was the politics and the acting that needs to go on. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, wow. it's a, I don't like to have to, you know, fake it to, you know, you have to, you have to kind of like network, you have to do all this bullshit where you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know oh, how you doing, you know, and reach yeah. into people and um, at, then at the same time too, you have to deal with parents that, you know, oh, my son's not playing all these things. So now you know, I train a kid, if they don't like what I'm doing, you know what they can do they can go to somebody else you know what i'm saying that mm -hmm. that's fine with me you know if they don't like what i'm doing it you don't show up at the time that i have then that's it but you know because I, I became an athletic director and you know you're budgeting and doing all these politics and having to save face and doing all that and it was just that's not what i wanted to do i wanted to you know really impact kids and do things how i wanted to do it i wasn't they didn't want to have to like uh, cater to people and that's that it's just unfortunate it's just the new era of, of of coaching football it you know you you build this fake personality online you have to do all this stuff for recruiting you have to you say something and then you have a complete backlash if you have any real public opinion on any subject uh you know and like i said it's just that that type of lifestyle it's i'd rather work for myself and, uh, you know, and I think it can be very lucrative. I, really, I was really watching all these other people that were doing it, you know, that were training athletes and not understanding how to connect with actual coaches, too. And they weren't doing a great job. And I was like, these dudes are making good money. I think I can do it. I've been saying it for many years. I've wanted to do, it. you know, it's making good money. I was an athletic director in Texas, which, you know, if you're an athletic director in Texas, you're making over six figures easy, you know, so it was a good situation. I was one of the youngest athletic directors in Texas. So, it was hard for me to want to leave, you know, you get all that health insurance, all this, but I mean, I planned it, you know, it was something that I really thought about for a long time. And I, I knew this area cause I'm in the area where at, IMG, you know, so I, I train a lot of IMG kids. Uh, I knew the area a little bit. So I knew it was, you know, had some of the best athletes in the world. Um, and I knew I could make it. And so it was a big risk, you know, and especially when I did it was, you know, you look at the economy, uh, when I did it was when the economy was booming, you know, I had, you know, cause I, I love to invest. I love to do some different things on the side. And as soon as I decided to leave, the economy went down. I mean, you have to realize like, man, the totality of, you have to find a clientele base. You have to do all this stuff. So back was against the wall for a little while, a few months to get this rolling, but it's a big risk. But at the end of the day, like I said, now, I mean, I do what I want. I don't have to, fake it i could be exactly a genuine version of myself and present myself how i want to and affect kids exactly with the knowledge that i've learned and be able to pass it down and you know build from there so i mean that's uh, that was my yeah that, i mean that that takes a lot of courage though i mean listen a, a six-figure job as an athletic director in texas to to leave that and to step out on faith that that that's incredibly courageous of you the the thing is though when you when you talk about faking it and and I know exactly I know exactly what you mean because my first my first visit to IMG Academy I was working for a company in FBU and I you know they were sponsored by Adidas and I was told I have to take my shirt and turn it inside out if I was going to walk in certain areas and stuff like that or if you know people throwing up that three stripe they could lose their contract can you can you just kind of provide a little more detail on what you mean when you say faking it because I'm I'm praying that there's a coach listening in right now 
that really understands that there's a better way to do this. You know, when, when we are in this kind of this situation, especially at the collegiate level of football, where we have an opportunity to be very honest with our kids, you don't want to just be that dude that's there for a check because you can't lie to a kid. You cannot bullshit a kid where you're listening to two guys that played over 10 years ago. And I could vividly remember the steps. I could tell you the smell of the Stony Brook locker room. I mean, every single moment of it, every single piece of it, I can tell you what it was all about. So can you just dive in a little bit about when you say faking it, you know, how, how can we improve that? How can we teach that or this, this way, stop, have coaches stop doing that because that's one of the most frustrating things I'm sure for you and myself and, and what hurts the game, to be honest with you. Right. And I don't, I don't know if I can give a, some good advice for up it, because if you're working for like a university, I mean, you're at the will of their HR department, their, the people that work there, their philosophy on whatever, you know, they think is acceptable. So you have to build this image that may not be you. And unfortunately, if you're going to work your way through these type of businesses is like, if you're going to work for like Tucci, Texas A&M, you think Tucci can go on the internet and really talk about things that he, he wants to or carry a conversation in public, you know, like. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, there, there was, man, especially out there. God, yeah. Lee, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if Jimbo is even going to be around and then where's to like that. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's because his, this year has just been a disaster for him. No question. I mean, <laughs> these, and I, like I said, I know from my father, I mean, he, He's lucky because he's not lucky, but he's in his career. So he was one of these old school coaches and he's going to not change. He's not going to be a different personality, but like the young coaches trying to make it. Right. And that, that's the tough part. Like that was the part for me that was so difficult to break in. Cause again, I was a scout team player. And I actually, I put this in a video the other day, the people that got the GA positions that I thought I was deserving of were captains of the team. And I couldn't pull out the race card because one of them was a black guy, Coach Richie. And it's like, you know, these young coaches, there are times where I felt like I myself had to fake it. Or even if it was Coach you know, I never got the acceptance as a player. So there was times like, do I do the right thing? You know, do I say the right stuff around him? Do I not be my authentic self? So that, that's really what's kind of making me want to dive into this a little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have opinion. I mean, you're going to have to build this wild persona that is like likable and, you know, innovative as far as like, oh, you're cool, you're, you know, you're posting things that are pop, you know, it's just, you, you have to, a brand self that may not be exactly how it's going to be. Uh, it might, it needs to be like something to navigate through the system. Uh, <laughs> and if not, that's the same with every job though. I mean, if you're, if you're working for somebody else, that's why I like working for myself. I have to worry about my persona as far as like in the image of whoever I'm working for. Like I train out of this gym, but I mean, I'm a contractor where I do whatever the hell I want, you know? And, uh, if you're a GA or whatever, you're going to have to have to like build this wild, you know, persona of your may not be exactly who you are. And I know it's not because I check, like I'll tweet certain things, and I'll on Twitter and then have like my buddies that are actually coaching in like, they'll want to chime in. So they'll DM me. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, they can't put opinions out there on these subjects. If they do that, like they're risking looking bad mm -hmm. and having people, whatever, you know, message 
about this. It's just the reality of the business as far as sports. Um, that's why I don't see myself ever coaching again, because I ain't going to, I'm going to, uh, if you've ever known me, it's just, I don't, I'm not very good at keeping my mouth. I <laughs> just, it's, I am, you know, and I, I think that I can make a solid living for myself doing it like this. And I think, cause all I give a shit about acting high level athletes and, uh, I'm starting to do that. And I'm not going to bend for nobody and I'm going to still be able to say my opinion on whatever. And if people don't want to work with me, guess what you can do. You can go work with somebody else and that's fine with me. I have no issue with it. None. So like I said, though, I don't have any advice because my advice for people is if you want to stay in the business is you better play that game. And I can give them a playbook. I can tell you how to play the game. I can tell you what to do. I can tell you how to network. And because I, I have former players and everything they tell me, they're like, I don't like this about, you know, I'm like, Hey, you better, you know, you're working for somebody and all that. You better find a way to make it look good and make it, you know, you can't disagree with all these situations because you're at the whim of them. You know, you're working for an industry or a, uh, you know, a, a, a private, not a private, but a, you know, some public company. So you have to do what they want you to do. And that's up to you to follow it or not. And if you don't want to follow it, you better figure out how to be your own boss. You know, Jordan, I think that was great advice, you know, to be honest, you didn't, you didn't say you, you don't have advice, but just by saying you don't have to have advice is actually great advice because that's exactly what they all need to hear. And it's like, you either going to make the decision to be in business or you're going to go work for someone. It's not about who, you know, and all that other kind of stuff. I, in fact, I remember I did a workshop, I do workshops for a company in positive coaching Alliance, the about a few months ago and the athletic director is a guy named Tuan Russell who played for the, he played for the Dolphins. He was working for with the Dolphins. So he and I got to know each other then, but you can see that he is still as, as seven years in the national football league, went to St. Thomas Aquinas, went to Miami, played for the Dolphins, Mr. Miami. Like, I mean, no, everyone knows him, but he still has to play that game. So that's to play that game. Even like he could not say what he wanted to say. There were so many things. I got a text from him after saying, look, there was some mixed feelings about your talk because you brought up race, you brought up this, you brought up that. And that that kind of stuff makes people uncomfortable. And it, I when I read that text, I was in I was in shock, Jordan, because like, yo, you of all people should be able to say what you want. You grew up here, but I come in and I start saying certain things, and you're telling me I'm making 70 coaches uncomfortable at a school like St. Thomas Aquinas. And that's yeah. what I learned. I was like, yo, this thing is like really getting like real. And that's really kind of what inspired me to go full time as a speaker and teacher and author and all that stuff. So, you know, with that, I kind of want to I want to be very respectful of your time. You know, what does your what does your future look like? What does your business? How do you kind of see this thing playing out? You know, it's a fluid thing. I mean, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur as far as, far as you know, I'm open to any new scenario but right now my number one thing is i i don't just only do football i try to create players to be more athletic i try to find a way to get them more athletic so i have great facilities you know over a million dollars of equipment in our gym and i try to really you know i sit down when i get a new client or whatever i sit them down and i say hey you know what are we trying to do you know and i offer and 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 i i see what we can do and i give them you know i've worked with a lot of soccer players lately i've worked with a lot of football players i've worked with a lot of baseball players and that's the thing i was an athletic director so i i was proficient i've coached basketball in high school level for four or five years 
think of that basketball players uh you know like i said it's a passion for me just to learn sports so the future i really it's hard for me to tell you know because you know i'm still new at this you know private situation where it's my own business it's been only about a year and a half that i moved down to florida from texas and i'm open to anything man i want to look you know i could do a pie you know who knows i like i said i'm very good at talking sports i'm very good at uh you know, um, helping athletes. I'm very, I could help with film, whatever. So I don't really know where it's going to be in the future, but you know, I'm just going to keep chopping wood, you know, and keep trying to pass on everything that I knew. And all I can tell these kids is like, Hey, I've been around it my whole life. Like I was born when I was one years old, I was at a football, uh, part of a football camp. You know, I was in August, I was there every single minute I could be. And till this day you know and so i can just offer people knowledge you know and then any way that i can be make it lucrative for myself i'm going to try to do that and like i said it's not going to be one certain scenario it's going to be fluid it's going to the future is going to be crazy i mean who knows what's going to go on i mean you're going to be able to monetize certain things on twitter or whatever with the future you know you have Substack, you have these uh all these new sites that are going on. So I think it's kind of new for everybody. This kind of, you know, uh, scenario where you, you can write articles or you could train athletes online. I'm, so we'll see, you know, but I, I built a good base and a good nest egg for myself where um, I'll be all right. And we'll see what it is. I don't know. That's going to be, that's a great question. And if I knew the future, you know, I'd be able to be even more lucrative, you know, but I take it day by day and just try to, you know, learn as much as possible and then also teach as much as possible. I think those go hand in hand, right? Yeah, I, I, it's funny you said that because I, I, I teach at a learning center now and there's a lot of, it, I'm literally the only male in the entire learning center. And there's this pregnant lady who just, I mean, she just had a rough, rough day. She snapped on the center director. It was just a lot. And I, as I was leaving, I tell her, look, just take it day by day. All right, I get it. <laughs> You're going through it, but just take it day by day and you're going to be fine. And, and, you know, in many ways, none of us can predict the future. So the, the question is that question is always very a loaded question, but it's, it's very important that you understand that this world is shrinking, understand that we're shrinking, we're shrinking, we're shrinking. And we have, if you are not using all of the tools and all of the things that we have made available to us to kind of, put your own brand out there to put yourself out there to figure out what it is you're going to do, then shame on you, shame on you for, you know, settling for that nine to five, shame on you for settling for situations that you don't necessarily want to be a part of because you have a way out. And I tell you guys that all the time as listeners, you have a way out. It's up for you to take it. It's, it's just, it's up for you. It's, it's right here for you, you know? Uh, so with that, Jordan, I, I want to make sure I get this in, though. You know, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? How can they reach out if they, they like what you're doing? You know, what would be the best way of contacting you? Yeah. Uh, my Twitter, it's at Jordan Gush, J-O-R-D-A-N-G-U-S-H. And then on Instagram, it's at W-R Film, W-R. So, you know, I'm open. Uh, I mean, I like I said, I can work virtually. Anybody that wants to get right, to work hard and to get better. And, you know, like I said, I've, this is what I do, you know? And I mean, I spend usually if I hang out, even like when I'm done with work, you know what I do? Like my Friday and Saturday, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to food. I'm going to maybe have a couple beers. I'm going to watch sports. And luckily that's my job. 
So what I do in my spare time is exactly what I do during my job. So, I mean, I just try to set my whole life about gaining more knowledge and be able to be better for my clients and to be able to, you know, be a better version of myself so I can keep passing it down. And I trust the process and I think that it's going to be great things for me. So regardless, anybody that wants to reach out and to, to get after it and if there's any, you know, like, I, and I still like to, you know, just have an open dialogue to talk about certain subjects. So it doesn't even have to be about a money situation. If you can bring me knowledge, that's also just as important as if you can, you know, be somebody that I work with as far as helping. So I'd like to connect. That's, I think that's like, you know, it's not, you know, like I said, that's the negative part about sometimes the college coaching is, is, is the weird neck uh, networking that has to go on. But I like the real network that needs on, which is just like natural where nobody wants to gain anything. We want to gain knowledge from each other instead of trying to jobs and all this bullshit and all these, this fake conversations like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how are you doing? Put your white voice on that type of deal. I think that <laughs> right. You know, I, I like real, you know, like, you know, I know, you, you know, I know shit. Let's be friends. So anybody that wants to do that with me, I'm very open because, you know, I love talking sports. I love to get in debates. I love to argue. I love to congratulate. I love to give advice. That's literally, I mean, you remember when in the locker room, what did I do? I mean, I used to, any conversation that would be, it would be a discussion. It would be a debate or argument, you know, I'm all day and I'm I'm loaded. But the thing is, I'm still not sure who actually coined that one. I want to say it was Giddings or Brevy. Debate it, debate it. I'm not sure who's actually the the creative. I think we just got to give it, give it to Storybook Football 2000. Like, I don't know who created that one, but I I still use it to this day. Brevy, but like, you know, because it was... We, I mean, you know, I mean, every, it's, it's, we weren't unique at Stony Brook, but, you know, I think we were a little different, but, you know, you get in that locker room and we'll put a debate in it, you know, and I came strapped. I came with knowledge. I came with what it was and I was a little bit passionate, you know, and some people couldn't handle it, but hey, you know, I am who I am. So, you know, and I love it. And that's what I do to this day. You know, I'm same thing. I'll, I'll be on YouTube probably till one in the morning tonight. I have to wake up at six in the morning to, you know, people and but like i said i just try to keep putting fat on my brain you know and that's that's what we can do and we keep doing this and helping kids and you know and then you know we'll see what the future holds for us but i i love what you're doing though honestly i mean i think that you do a good job i've, I've liked how you you know how you put your instagram post and you know i've seen how you move and it's it's a good look that's why that's why i even message you it's, it's just i think you do a good job and i think you'll have a big future and similar so definitely glad to have you as a connection and um we'll stay and connect you know absolutely and i'm sure we'll have more conversations as we move down this road all right yes you know actually i um well this is funny because i when i did the interview with Taj, i told him it was after a rams game and sean McVay had his defensive coordinator they had known each other for like 30 years and again I, I i can't overstate it this is the power when you're in the trenches with people this was a four-year starter. Osborne was a scout team player. The bottom line is when you go and compete and you just do you, you just do what you can, you're gonna earn the only respect that matters, which is self-respect. And these relationships last a lifetime, my friend. They last a lifetime. So play the game for that reason. And Jordan, the way I, so the way I close out all my shows, I want you to use your imagination. You are a freshman and at Stony Brook. You admit you in your mind you made the wrong decision. You're ready to go home. You're you're 
your turf is hurting. There's all sorts of, you got DJ there talking a bunch of shit about how you ain't going to start. You got so many things stacked against you. You're in that mod. You, you were that kid, but you're who you are now. That kid just came in the zoom room. Just talk to him and we'll officially close. Absolutely. And I wish I could. And the reality is I'd tell him to just, I wouldn't tell him to anything, you know, and it's easy to go back and say, Hey, you know, all these things, but buddy, it, you gotta go through it. You know, and I would just say, trust the process, just get after it. And, you know, all those things that things that I would tell them would be like, you know, oh, maybe don't party as much or don't do these things. But at the end of the day, all those moments built me to be the human that I am today. So I would just say, hey, don't overstress shit. You know, just trust the process. Things are going to work out and just go hard. You know, and don't the biggest thing is I'd say is don't get fucking worked up about it. Don't overthink things and just just go through it and enjoy it because that's going to be the best time of your life. I would the only issue I had about being young was I was stressed out and I was, you know, unhappy at times. I would say enjoy it. This is going to be the best time of your life. It's not all these things that you think are the end of the world and all these bad issues are all big, big, big moments for you as far as building the character that you will to survive in the future so that's exactly what i tell myself is just do what you did but don't be depressed in the moment don't be you know overthink things and don't be stressed out just love it be happy and get after it so that's it and the, and the microphone officially drops fellow teammates continue to move swiftly we will talk more soon that brother god bless you my man
word, that's for certain. Yeah. And I know that somebody been praying for me. Head above ground and I put up in six feet deep. I don't need streets when I get down on my knees. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm floating back for everybody who counting me out. And I still got love for all my dogs who holding me down. Head above ground for my niggas in my downs. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But I'm still out here making moves. Ooh, I'ma do what I got to. I'ma do what I got to. Too many niggas going too soon. Two feet wide, six deep. You won't catch no RIPs off me. I'ma do what I got to. Sit down, be thankful, big smile, although it's painful, I look up and see clouds, meet angels, see white chalk, make street angels, you're welcome, look down, feet dangles, be proud, be shameless, yeah, be now, be ancient, yeah. It been my turn, let me cut off these blankers I cut off these strangers, your ifs, ands, and buts are the strangers I never relinquish, I'm thinking Franklin as an acquaintance Destiny danger, I done seen from every angle From my neck to my ankle, the spots on this leopard ain't changing Nigga, that's for the wanksters, 50 told me that, I say thank ya I been got the bag, I done turned that to the blanket I been out of hand, so I don't want no dap unless you bang it I'm being quiet, man, just waiting for these rappers to thank me They not And I know that somebody been praying for me Six feet deep, I don't need streets when I get down on my knees. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I'm floating back for everybody who's counting me out. And I still got love for all my dogs who holding me down. Head up above ground for my niggas in my towns. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. But I'm still out here making moves. Ooh, I'ma do what I got to. I'ma do what I got to. Too many niggas going too soon. Two feet wide, six deep You won't catch no R.I.P.s off me I'ma do what I got to I'ma do what I got to I'ma do what I got to Sit down, be thankful Big smile, although it's painful I look up and see clouds Meet angels, see white chalk Make street angels, you're welcome Look down, feet dangles Be proud, be shameless Yeah, be now be ancient, be ancient. Yeah.